If you have your Bibles, we're in 1 Corinthians 11, and uh, we're kind of doing this chapter in a little bit of a backward order um, for a number of reasons, but one being that it is Communion Sunday, and 1 Corinthians 11 has one of the uh, most uh, important texts in the New Testament dealing with the Lord's Supper, and so we're going to deal with that today as we prepare to come to the Lord's table. And I want to give a little bit of a reminder of what's going on in the book of 1 Corinthians before we dig in and, and, and unpack this today. Uh, one of the things that we've, we've been seeing in this letter, 1 Corinthians, is that Paul is writing to a church that is a very young church and that all the people in it are first-generation Christians, all of them. This is the beginning of the early church. And so one of the problems that Paul is dealing with over and over again in this letter is that these people just have a very immature faith. And, they're, and it's very evident in the way that they're living it out. You know, sometimes I think we think that what an immature faith, where you see an immature faith, is how well a person can articulate doctrine or theology or not. But what we're seeing in 1 Corinthians is really where you see immaturity in faith is in the way we treat each other. It's in the way that we live out our doctrine. And there's just so much brokenness and so much, uh, so much just, just mistreatment of each other that Paul is writing this letter as a father to his children, and he's really corrective in his tone in so many places. And when we come to this section on the Lord's Supper, one of the things that's happening is there, this is a church, just imagine this, this is a church that is taking communion together, like we're going to do, where there's the bread and there's the cup. But they're using the Lord's Supper as a way of establishing themselves as being rich. So there are well-to-do people in the congregation, and they sort of flaunt it in the way that they feast, and in the way that we're going to talk about this next week, uh, so be here for that, in the way that they come drunk to communion, which may be happening in this room right now, for all I know, you know? But the, this is going on, that they're using the Lord's table as a way of, of kind of showing off who they are and sizing each other up and figuring out, okay, who are the haves and who are the have-nots and where do the people fall in between? And Paul is just saying, you got to stop that. The whole point of the Lord's table is that you understand that you are one together in Christ, that there is no favoring of persons in Christ, that you belong to him. And really what he's calling them to really is the challenge that Christians throughout history have faced when it comes to coming to the Lord's table, and that is Paul is calling them and us today to say, hey, think about this. Don't just come to this table in a as kind of a religious rite, but come to this table intentionally, thinking about what it is that you're doing and what this table is saying to you about who you are and who Christ is and who he has made you. Do you, I mean, when you see the elements of communion here on the tables when you come in, does it stir you in any way when you come to the Lord's table? Is this something that awakens in you a longing or a desire to commune with Christ, where your appetite is actually heightened because you th I get to come to the Lord's table. I get to get out of my seat and come and kneel 
and break bread and take a cup together with other brothers and sisters in Christ who are confessing the same thing. God gave us this table for that purpose. This isn't a table that he gave us because in some sort of magical, impossible for us to understand way, he just really likes it when we come and eat bread and, and, and drink the cup. It's, it's not that God has given us this because he particularly likes this meal and just wants to watch his people do it. He gave us this table for us. This table is so that we would commune with him, that he made us to be a people of senses where we touch and we taste and we smell and we feel and we, and we, and we see, you know, and, and we come to this table and it's an engagement of our senses. And so that's what we're going to talk about today. What does it mean for us to come to the Lord's table? I want to read the text and then uh, we're going to unpack it. It's going to be a, <laughs> I hesitate to say this because then I have to keep my word, a shorter message uh, than normal. <laughs> so... Let's dig in. So, and it's shorter not so that we can get out of here faster, but shorter so that we can linger at the table, so that we're not rushed. Um, 1 Corinthians 11. Let me read verses 23 through 34 uh, and then dig into this. Paul writes this. I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed, and when he had given thanks, he took bread and broke it. And he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, he also took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and you drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Paul continues, whoever therefore eats the bread and drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself then, so, and so eat the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. That is why many of you are weak and ill, and some have died. But if we judged ourselves truly, we would not be judged. But when we are judged by the Lord, we are disciplined, so that we may not be condemned along with the world." Let me just stop on that one. Did you see it? Paul said, you're coming to this table. Some of you are doing this in a very unworthy way. And then he says what? The thing we really don't want to see, right? This is the reason some of you are sick. This is the reason some have died. Does that bother you? It bothers me. It's troubling because you can't be clever with that. Paul is saying, you're coming and taking the Lord's table in an unworthy way, and God's discipline in some of your lives has been that you've been sick, you've been ill, and some have died. And then he says, this is the disciplining hand of the Lord. That's a hard word for us. For many of us, we would say, probably, I, I can't accept that God would do that. And yet, what, what is Paul saying? He's saying, we're disciplined that we wouldn't be condemned along with the rest of the world, that this is the Lord intervening in his discipline. I think it's hard for us to see passages of Scripture where you see the Lord disciplining his children, and yet, if what we believe about God is that he is holy and that he is living and that he is active and that he is involved in our lives and that he disciplines those that he loves— 
we can't write this off, right? So it's an important thing for us today to think, I know this is a hard word. It's important for us to think when we come to the Lord's table, not if I come to this table wrongly, God's going to zap me. But what Paul is saying is, think about this. Think about why you come to this table. He's writing a corrective. And if it's a corrective for us, then let us receive it that way. Then he ends the chapter by saying, So then, my brothers, when you come together to eat, wait for one another. If anyone is hungry, let him eat at home, so that when you come together, it will not be for judgment. About other things, I'll give you directions when I come. So Paul is contending for us to engage with the Lord's Supper, to participate in this in a way where we are actively involved in this. And I had a great, in my humble opinion, illustration for this that I was all ready for until I went to see you 2 last night, and they kind of rewrote half my sermon. Now, let me... Let me give a disclaimer that I mean from the heart. U2 is a rock and roll band. And last night at Vanderbilt Stadium was a rock and roll concert. It was not a worship service, in my estimation. It was an amazing rock and roll concert. Okay? I don't look at U2 as being the Messiah. I really don't. I don't think Bono can move mountains. I think Bono can afford to hire people to move mountains. But I don't think Bono walks on water. Okay, so everything I'm about to say from about the U2 concert, understand this is not as a fanboy. This is as a person who was given tickets to go and loved every second. It's the largest stage ever built. The largest sound system ever put together for a concert. Usually this show, by the way, if you went, how many, show of hands. Okay, you don't even know what my question is. These are the people who went, right? So in this town, there are three types of people right now. Ready? There are those who did not go to the U2 concert. There are those who did go to the U2 concert. And then there's Andrea's husband. And those of you who are laughing, you're laughing because you were there. Let me tell you what I mean, okay? You two hasn't been in this town for 30 years. People were just, this is the biggest concert of the year in this town, biggest tour in the world right now. There are three of those stages moving their way around the country, getting set up and torn down in different places. Three of them, 100 semis each for each production. I mean, it's, it's just incredible. And they come and they just play this show. They're like, they're like a fine wine, you two. They're this band. I mean, you never hear about this. Four guys who are the only four guys that have ever been in that band. And they've been together for 35 years or whatever, you know? The Beatles didn't do that, you know? There's no band that I can think of that did that and that have continued to be innovative. Anyway, I'm just trying to tell you it was a, it was a big deal. <clears throat> So we're there in this packed, like sardines, 100 degrees outside, just sweating like crazy. And they play 24 songs. And every one of them, everybody in the stadium knows and is just singing along at the top of their lungs. 
They get to the end of the concert, and they do the last song, Moment of Surrender, and they get ready to, they walk off stage. They're walking off stage, and Bono stops, and he turns around to somebody in the audience, Andrea's husband, and says, what? What do you want to play? Hang on, gents. That's what he said, gents. Uh, He did it in an Irish accent. I don't do accents. Um, But all of a sudden, Bono's like, hold on, we got one more song for you. We have a special guest. And I'm thinking it's going to be somebody like Jack White or, you know, somebody from Nashville. It's, It's not. It's Andrea's husband. He's wearing khaki cargo shorts and a striped polo shirt. And Bono pulls this guy up on stage and hands him Bono's guitar. And the guy starts to play, All I Want Is You. And Bono's just kind of watching him and getting in the groove. And then Bono starts singing, All I Want Is You. And the rest of the band comes and they kind of take their places and fill it out. And this guy, now you have to understand, when, when they put the guitar on this guy, Bono said, what's your wife's name? And he couldn't speak. And he said, no, what's your, what's your wife's name? And he says, her name's Andrea. And he said, this is for Andrea. And he goes, all right, let's go. Let's play the song. And the guy's like, give me a second. I'm nervous, you know. <laughs> because why? Because he was doing more than just going to a U2 concert. Now, all of a sudden, he's in the U2 concert. Now, all of a sudden, he's part of U2. So his experience of what he was doing was just fundamentally different from the rest of us. We're watching Andrea's husband Andrea's husband is in U2 now, and he's closing the concert. He's the encore, right? And he's playing this song, and the band is there playing it with him. Did you know if you were there? Chad and Carly told me this. That guy was blind. They saw him afterwards with one of the, you know, canes that blind people use, and his hand on his shoulder being led around. Think about it. That was why Bono was saying, step up, you got to step up. And they were handing him everything and taking him off and leading him by the hand everywhere. The guy was blind. And that's when I thought, that's the picture. It's an illustration of a rock concert. Illustrations break down, but just think about this. That guy was participating and engaged in and brought into this moment where He was being handed this opportunity to live out a dream. Paul uses three words in in the communion text here that are key for us if we want to understand how do we come to the Lord's table rightly. First, he says, you do this in remembrance of Christ. Remember is the first word. That we remember what he's done. But it's not just that we remember his life and his death and his resurrection. We remember why his life and death and resurrection happened. We remember that as far back as Genesis, after the fall of man, God was on the scene and he was saying, everything in this world is broken now and I will make it right. From the seed of the woman will come one who will crush the head of the serpent. We remember Christ is that one that in the very act of his laying down his body for us, offering up his blood for us, what he's doing is he's crushing the head of the serpent, that he's, that he's taking everything that is broken and he's putting it right. And so we come to a table and we break bread and we drink the cup as a way of remembering this. 
of remembering not just that we had an inspirational martyr of a leader, because that's not what Christ was. He was a savior. He was a Messiah. He was an atoning sacrifice, one who took your guilt upon himself when your faith is in him. So we remember that. But then he says also, whenever you eat this bread and you drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death. That's the second word, proclaim. Remember and proclaim. These are, you know, we here at Midtown, when we take communion, what we'll do in a little bit is we'll have kind of a uh, organized chaos free-for-all where we'll say, come as you're ready. And whenever you're ready, you'll get up. If you're a believer in Christ, you'll get up and you'll come up here to the table and your footsteps will be the footsteps of remember, proclaim, remember, proclaim, remember, proclaim. As you come up here, that you're remembering what Christ has done, but you're not doing it passively. You're not remembering stories of old. You're remembering something that is your story. You're Andrea's husband. You've got Bono's guitar on. You're on the stage. The story of the U2 concert is being told, and you're in it. You're coming to this table because it's the story of redemption, but not just redemption thousands of years ago, but it's the story of your redemption, of God working in you even right now. And by the very act of getting up out of your chair and coming down the aisle, what you're doing is you're proclaiming. This is all my hope and peace is Jesus' blood and righteousness. All my eggs are in this basket. I need this. There's no place for boasting at the Lord's table. We come and we kneel. And then the last one is that we do this until he comes again. Now, we've talked about this here pretty much every time we do communion, but I want to revisit it again so that we don't forget that what Paul is saying is this table... These funny-looking cups of grape juice, you know, that only Christians use. I mean, there there are companies that make these things, and Christians just can't get enough of them. I mean, look at it. It's awesome, right? It holds, I don't know what it holds, not much. And yet, we come to this table, and we participate in this, And we do it for a duration of time that is winding down. That we do this until he comes again, at which time this marriage supper will be replaced by the marriage supper of the Lamb, the banquet that Revelation 19 talks about, that makes the angels stand in awe. So that being said, let me paint a picture for you. This table that we are meant to come to hungry as people who are desperate for what this table tells us, understand this. This is beautiful. This is, this is the poetry of God at work in our lives. He says of this table, bread and cup, bread and cup. This table will awaken a hunger in you more than it will satisfy a hunger in you. You will not get full at this table. You will come to this table and you will have your appetite awakened. You will want lunch more than you did before you came. But you won't leave this table physically full. And I think that's beautiful. I think that it's beautiful that the Lord gives us this communion table and says, Come to this together, but don't come to this table in order that you would just be getting fat. 
Come to this table together and share. If you want to get full, if you want to be not hungry, then eat at home, Paul says. But when you come to this table, this table isn't about that. This table, as much as it's meant to nourish your soul, it is also meant to awaken a hunger in you. Now think about Andrea's husband. There on stage with Bono's guitar, leading the band in All I Want Is You, blind, and having the experience of a life. And I ask you this, put yourself in his shoes. Is that moment not awakening as much hunger in him as it is satisfying? Isn't that four minutes on stage with you two? Wouldn't it make you say, as awesome as this is, it stirs a longing in me that a hundred hours on stage with you two could never satisfy. That this moment of everything seems to be right with the world, and yet, and yet, and yet. Bono gave him the guitar, and he has this guitar at home. And it's there as a monument now for the rest of his days, as the time when he was pulled up on stage, understanding through a glass darkly what was really happening, participating in this big temporal moment Realizing a part of a dream, and yet hungry, hungry. Lord, open my eyes. Lord, set me on your stage, where I am right with you in your presence for all eternity. Don't let it be a fleeting moment. It's by God's design that this table awakens in us a hunger as much as it satisfies in us an appetite. So remember, proclaim, and understand that this is until he comes again. It's for a little while. It means that we bring everything of who we are to this table. We say, Lord, I bring to you my brokenness. I bring to you my need. I bring to you my hunger. I bring to you my longings. I bring to you everything that's broken in me. I bring to you all the broken relationships around me that I'm breaking. All the places where I've been proud. All the places where I have wanted to elevate myself above the others around me somehow. The way that I've regarded myself at church as a person who wants to be regarded as one of the great ones in the church. This table is calling us to say, think about yourself in light of Christ. Think about what he's done. Think of who he's made you. Remember that. Remember the promise that you're leaning on is not a promise that he made to you initially, but it's a promise that God made to creation that we're on the receiving end of in such simple, tangible ways. We're going to come to this table now. And we're going to come as we're ready. It's obvious from the text, but I want to say this, that Paul is saying if, if this is not your confession, if you don't believe that Jesus died and rose again for your sins, if your faith isn't in him, Paul's warning is plain. Don't come to this table. 
Don't come to the table. It's not meant to humiliate or shame you, but it's meant to call integrity from all of us. That if we come to this table, we come as people saying, this is what I believe. I believe that I needed Jesus' blood to be shed for me, that I believe that the wages of sin is death, and I believe that I deserve that. I believe that I need someone to die in my place if I'm going to have life because I have tried, but I have not been good enough. And we haven't been. None of us have been. We need a Savior. But if this is your faith, hear the other side of Paul's warning. Come to this with your eyes open. Don't, don't take advantage of this table. Come to this table knowing that the Lord means to speak to you through this, that he is engaging you in all your senses, that he is engaging your memory, that he's calling you to remember, that by the act of getting up and coming and serving one another, that you are proclaiming faith, and that you know that we live in this shadowy season between the two advents, where Christ will come again. I pray that the Lord would awaken in us a deeper and deeper and deeper hunger, a hunger to know him, a hunger to be with him, a hunger to be transparent before him and the community of faith that he's brought us into. We commune with him at this table and we commune with each other as his people and we commune with the church and the world millions of people who are gathering at this very moment to do the exact same thing that we're doing and we commune with the church throughout the ages that have been coming and will continue to come until he comes again so we're a part of something we're a part of something that christ has done pray with me father it is easy for us to go through the motions of coming to this table as people who do this because it's just what we do on the first Sunday of the month. And Lord, I know that illustrations like Andrea's husband are illustrations that break down. You 2 is just a rock band and the concert was just a concert. And yet you use things like that to paint pictures for our hearts. And so, Lord, I pray that you would awaken in us a hunger for you through remembering you, through thinking about what it means that we proclaim you when we come to this table. Father, thank you for (laughs) this, this table that you've given us, your idea, such a simple thing, and yet so knowing of us that you give us something where you continue to call us back to remember and remember and remember because we are so prone to forget. You're good to us. It's in your name, Jesus, we pray and for your glory. Amen.